Let's do this, Blaine Hickey, on a Tuesday afternoon. How in the world is everybody doing out there? Um, still feeling that? I think people are still just buzzing over this past weekend. I think Vol fans are buzzing. I think Titans fans are buzzing. Hey, if you're a Titans fan and a Vols fan right now, if you're not, if you're not pumped about what's been going on in this state football wise, I don't know what's going to get your pulse going. And uh, I did a little digging. I did a little bit of looking around because I thought. You know, there was once upon a time in this world that we lived in with the Titans that it seemed like there were all these seven and two starts. So the Titans are seven and two. They're the best record in the AFC. As Blaine Bishop uh, joins us with a jacket in the studio, it's colder than usual in here today. Yeah, I had he a just ran a forty-yard dash to the parking lot oh, and man. back. <laughs> well, then I forgot my key, which is my phone. <laughs> you know, I didn't do it twice. Ooh, so if I'm breathing out of breath, you know why. Well. I was talking about this. Titans are, if people aren't buzzing about football in the state of Tennessee right now, then you don't have a pulse because the way things are going. Uh, the Vols won one of the wilder games I've ever seen on Sunday, uh, Saturday night. This is a Vol Network station. I know some of you work for other SEC teams. By the way, there's only a quarter of the college football season left. It's three games. That's how fast that thing goes by. Yeah. So that's what it does. It even makes that noise when it goes by. But Faster than high school. In the playoffs. Oh, man. Yeah, the high, the high school season is the fastest. High school football is the fastest season of anything. You blink and it's gone. I mean, you blink and it's the playoffs. And then, you know, if you don't win, and then it's all over for you. So, uh, uh, congrats to everybody who's still playing football right now. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. But uh, Titans are still playing. They're 7-2. and two. So, Blaine, here's what I thought. You know, sometimes you just – we have these discussions about the past, and, and we're like, was that this guy or this guy? Was that the year that this happened or that happened? Did we lose that game or did they lose that yeah, game? As me, for sure. Right. And, and sometimes <laughs> I know and then sometimes I don't know. Well, I, so I thought, okay, seven and two starts. Um, oh, do you know? Well, I passed Rep. Ryan in the hall. I said, and Lucas Panzeca, jump over here. This You're in this. Do you know how many? Because the Titans are seven and two. Do you know how many times the Tennessee Titans have started at least seven and two? Not the Oilers, the Tennessee Titans. So Three. That, what do you say, Lucas? I can only think of 2008 with the 10 and 0 start. I'm going to say two. Oh, this man. is the fifth time. Wow! Oh, I was closest. I beat you. <laughs> man, we really since you're keeping a lot of credit to the Titans. But but listen to this. 99. Mm-hmm, that's what I was thinking. You remember what you started in 99? How many before you lost your third game? Do you remember what you were? Because I'm I'm just looking at, uh, at a two on the losing column. Well, uh, we were seven and two. <laughs> you got to nine and two. Oh, nine and two. Okay. You got to nine and two. In two thousand, do you know what you got to? Oh man, we were pretty good then. Oh man, I thought that team was better. I mean, we start off early, depending on who we play. Uh, I'd say we started um, uh, eight and three. Nine and two again. You got all the way to nine and two before. That's why I was counting. That's why I said three. Then I said the oh eight, as Lucas said. So I was thinking three for sure. Of teams that started that way. Two of them I was on. Two of them you were on. Mm. So then a bunch of people, because I was talking to a buddy of mine on the phone who's a Titans fan, I said, how many Titans teams have been 7-2? and two? He goes, I know one thing. He said, I know 2002 was. I said, actually, that's wrong. That was the year the Titans went all the way out and played uh, in the AFC Championship game against the Raiders. But they started off 1-4. And 6-5 and and yeah. before they won all the rest of their games yeah. all the way to the championship. So, 99, 9, and 2, 2009 and 2, 
2003, they started 9-2. and two, mm. And that was the year they got all the way to New England and lost in the freezing cold game oh, that you were there covering. Yeah, that was my first year out. Mm-hmm. When McNair threw the that really high pass away right through, Drew Bennett had made this unbelievable catch. And, and Just the, like a couple plays before that. Yes. And then this one was the easier that he should have caught. No doubt about it. But, hey, man, that, that ground was like a brick. You've oh, told man. me about how cold it was at that game. Oh, it was cold, but the oh, – the ground was like, what is this? There were no you. There was no traction. It was frozen. That was horrible. I can't imagine. Um, but they they went nine and two that year. Yeah, there was no here's third. here's the the anomaly season though. The one that nobody ever people think. I, I guess Titans fans of a certain age would think about it. Younger fans maybe who may have been a little kid and for those early Titans teams. The 2008 team started twelve and two. Yeah, that's why I said the 2018. Yeah. I thought they were going to win it out. That was the playoff game where uh, Chris Johnson got hurt at half, right before halftime. They held him up and twisted his foot off of his leg. His ankle or something. Yeah, it was Ray Lewis and those guys. Yeah. Yeah, and that that killed him. Yeah, that team there was the team. Now, this is the team of the latest that you say they have a realistic shot of the SB and doing some serious damage. Serious work. And they're mm-hmm. doing it. And we talked about this yesterday, you know, the, the Sunday night football crew saying this late in the game. They've had 77 guys on the roster. It's the most in the NFL. Um, yeah, I saw that 67 is the next closest. Yeah, they're 10 more than anybody else, and they're about 10 off of the record. Mm. And we're halfway through the season, and it's a 17-game season, so Lord knows what we're going to see by the end of this thing. Yeah, that, that's real commendable. To not only the players, but the the coaching staff and Brable and crew, man, that man and and Jr. To that point, I mean, you know, bringing in the right players that fit and can come in and and pick up the system, and uh, which takes some acumen, uh, football acumen, to to do that. So, yeah, it's impressive. Uh, we shall see what we got going on these next two or three weeks here because. You got to play up to that level continuously over and over again. And I know everybody's looking at their schedule and saying that it's a weak part of the schedule. And it's still a weak schedule based off of teams that they play. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars were weak. They beat the Bills. Yeah, they beat the Bills. Mm-hmm. So that's not a gimme. <laughs> no gimmies. There is no, There are none in the NFL. I'm sorry. if you don't, and, I, and this is really how the mindset of players are. And that's really what I'm giving you. And that's because you if you think that you got a, a gimme, then you're going to get God. Right. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. But players don't think that way. There's they all these graphics right now. Even two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Before the players would be informed with all the media asking well, questions sure. like that. Uh, right. Oh, oh, really? Oh, I, well, just like point spread. They have no idea. They're this, not paying attention. They don't have time for that. It, We're going to win every game. Sure. <laughs> this was in my notes a couple of weeks ago. The Titans, even with the remaining game against the Rams and um, – Gosh, who was the week before? Um, the Colts? Rams and the Colts. Even with those two games, the Titans still had the easiest remaining schedule. So I saw another reporter tweeted out today, Titans strength well, of schedule. Of, you know, win percentages. Titans strength of schedule, the lowest for remaining games. So Titans fans are like, I'm going to win all the rest of them. Hey, man, you got to chill out. Who else do we have? Pittsburgh, New England. Yeah, man, I don't know. You just, I just, I, I took a glimpse of the Steelers, <laughs> and I know what New England's been doing. If they get some receivers around, I wouldn't be surprised they go after OBJ. He's gonna be a free people, agent about an hour and fifty-seven minutes. A lot of people yeah. be like, "Nah, no way." Well, if they got a receiver, and you know, 
And Bill is the type to go after low-hanging fruit when you can get them for cheap. Even if it's a rental, he didn't give up anything. Perfect for him. He He's definitely inquiring. Mm-hmm. Because they get one more receiver. I think, man, man, the Jones kid is playing pretty solid. Yep. If you watch him, he he's doing okay. That's, that's a dangerous team. I, oh, up there too? Oh, yeah, you know. Old Bill's going to be pumped up because old Vrabel got him last time. Sure did, in the playoffs. Yeah, and it made him look kind of bad. So you, so you got to go to New England. Mm-hmm. You you got to go to Pittsburgh. That game's mm-hmm. at Pittsburgh. And and they still got T.J. Watt and all those people. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Clay, Claypool? Yeah. What are you talking about? Right. Najee Harris, I know a lot of people know that name. Yeah. Yeah, running back from Alabama. At mm-hmm. their place. Yeah. So, hey, man. It's not gimmies. Uh, even two times the Texans and one more Jaguars. I cannot buy in to the gimme. The gimme is my preparation. Just like we're playing the best team. That don't mean you're going to win either. That depends on who's healthy, who's not. I mean, I, I, you know, as much as I applauded Bobby Hart at tackle, they can't think they're going to go through that gauntlet and, and he's going to be the guy. Because the unknown is, where is Lawan? And if he is there, will he be there on game day? Forget practice. I just want game day performance. Yeah. I wouldn't even have him practice. Do, do the walkthrough how you feeling on, on Friday. Move around a little bit. Make sure you can go Sunday. Sorry, Charlie. I can't, I can't be having my well, – I don't know what he makes. Teen millions. I'm going to say 18 million. I don't know what the number is. 15. But I, I can't have him stand on the sideline talking about he's going to be an emergency. I, I've, never, I've never seen such. Remember I kept on saying about Marcus when they benched him. I said, hey, man, I'm putting that guy in. We're paying him $15, $20 million. He can do a play or two. And they start doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a little guy just collecting checks just because he got, you know, he got outperformed. Well, let's do something. It's no different than any other player. Put him on special teams then. What are you going to do, tell you no? I mean, why he making $15 million? No, he got to, he got to, he got uh, <laughs> to do something, man. If you're if you good enough, there's an old adage too, which is surprising. You dress there's a possibility you will play even though you're injured because they try to buy you, sell you on, oh, just be the backup. Right. One more guy got hurt. He was out there. Yeah. It would they have tackled. been that emergency. Yeah. yeah. So if you're good enough to dress, you're good enough to play. So I, I don't know, man. I, that, one's kind of, that was a weird one for me, especially the type of money that these guys make today. You know, Lakey was making, you know, 800 grand, eight, eight, $18 million. <laughs> Whatever his number is, but it's up there. He's up there. So yeah, that I gotta make sure he's there because it, you know, man. And Tannehill, they need to, you know, not only does the offense. I'm getting on the tangent here, but about the offense, they need to not only figure out how they're going to implement this running game, which it should be pretty fast. I think one more game they'll be all right, but they got to p- figure out the passing game. I'll be dang if you think you're going to win some games you don't throw a pass over 15 yards. I'm sorry. That is not going to work. I think you said the most 16 yards. Yeah. No. No can do. It will not happen. I can cover. I can cover them with that and have no shot of covering any of them guys. Cannot do that. you got to threaten. I've said this numerous times, numerous years. you got to threaten the field down the field vertically if you want to have a shot, even if it's incomplete. 
I've been there. I've been back there. Mm-hmm. I know what it'll make me do. And you do it early. The sooner the better. Sure. Let them know, hey, we're coming after y'all. Let's go. You better get And then all of a sudden you start easing further and further back. But guess what? When you don't do that, you don't threaten them. Guess what I start doing? Creeping further and further and further up. Now the coverage becomes tighter and harder to complete. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, I kept talking about they were throwing them, you know. Sideways. Sideways. This is not college. Sorry. Stop that. Now, and I'm, I'm saying that only because. They don't have jitterbug receivers, right? Because those guys can make some make something out of nothing in a sharp space. Sure, Tyreek Hill, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How tall is Tyreek Hill? Just make a guess. Doesn't matter. Say, say five eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much have they talked about how tall all our receivers are? Yeah. Use them then. Use them down the field. Let them use their physicality. And guess what? Taller receivers take some a minute to get going. Mm-hmm. Get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, get them, get going. Don't throw a slant all the time because you're afraid of the protection. We'll leave people in. Let them get downfield. See if they can make a play. You throw it up high, if a guy that's 5, 10, 6 feet right there on a 6, 3, 6, 4 receiver, I put my money on the receiver. Mm-hmm. Throw it up there. Especially when the guy can't touch you. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, take some notes. Take notes when you're watching other teams. How about when you took notes when you played the Colts? Mm-hmm. Oh, them throw them lollipop balls? Yeah. Well, you don't have to throw him live, Pop Tannehill. You got a good arm. Yeah. Throw it on the money. Let him go get it. Yeah. You see they, see their philosophy. Offensive coordinator, former quarterback in this league. He knows what it's like to be back there. You got to throw them, even if they're not open. Yeah. They get a pass interference. Mm-hmm. You get several of them. You got to do it. They, they're going to have to. So that, that'll that change eventually as time goes on. Don't throw them on sideways balls. And they were worried about the pass rush. I get it. But you got to threaten them some kind of way. One, two, three, and let them, let it go. You, 40 yards, he's downfield, 50 yards, and let it go. See what happens. Oh, the hitman preaching. Talked a lot of Titans this week. Let's talk some balls. Let's do that next. Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Talking Tennessee on the other side of the break on Blaine and Mickey. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. What? What are these pulsating dance beats that we're ushering in Mike Wilson here with Lucas? What, what this? Most of the time, I know the stuff. I, I got to tell you, this got, this is Carry Out from Timbaland and Just Timberlake. Mike okay. told me it's has been his favorite song since he was a small child. I feel terrible then, Mike, because I didn't know your favorite song as you're coming in to join us here. But uh, but welcome in, and what a fine song that is. It is a fine song. It really, uh, you know, it just really feels like a proper entrance into any situation, especially ones where Lucas lies about my favorite songs. <laughs> <laughs> is that, oh, oh, my. I, I, got hey, I, think he's a little, I think he's a little happy-go-lucky. He got a nice little haircut. And, you know, he's feeling a little spry and everything. So that maybe it was that. You know, sometimes Mikey wears, like, khaki pants, and he feels like he's an assistant yeah. manager or something around here. Yeah. What, it's because wearing... he didn't tell me my haircut looked good that I threw him <laughs> under the bus. Like what is that? Wow. Okay. This... This took Whoa. a turn. Next time, Lucas, I'll tell you you look like a Circuit City general manager. There you go. No, there no, you go. No. Get him, Mike. Get him, Mike. Get him, Mike. Oh, damn it. It's so oh, accurate. Oh, man. This is – wow. This is just – wow. Well, it's, it's, well, that's a good segue oh. into just like that was so good to listen to. How about that Kentucky-Tennessee game? How good was that to watch? Have you ever watched a game like that, Mike? Uh, exactly like that. No, Man, I think was, it's, oh, that was fun. Yeah. I've covered some back and forths like that, that, that came down to that final kind of minute. 
Uh, one like that with this, the time of possession imbalance, uh, kind of the, the crazy nature of Tennessee's long touchdowns and the things that went down. I mean, it was unique uh, in a lot of ways in that sense. You don't, you don't typically see a game where a team possesses the ball for less than 15 minutes and somehow wins. So it was pretty weird. Yeah, I was really surprised, Mike. I don't know about you, that the defense, I, and I, I predicted they would win, and, and pretty much a blowout is what I said. And I thought because I thought the defense would play better than what they did. What were your observations of the defense besides at the end of the game when they came up with three sacks and then actually, you know, uh, Taylor with the interception? Yeah, you know, the defense looked basically the same as it did coming uh, going into the bye, the open week there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked the same. And, and, you know, third down struggles have been a, a thing for the past month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ole Miss really killed Tennessee on third down, sort of Alabama. Uh, and Kentucky did as well. I think they started 7 of 8, 10 of 12. I think they finished 12 of 17, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and that was the story to me, is that Tennessee just hasn't been able to get off the field defensively. And Kentucky's a team that they're not very explosive other than Wandale Robinson. So they're, they're not going to really beat you deep and with a lot of big chunks. So they need to build drives. And you know Tennessee had a lot of opportunities to get off the field, but didn't really do so. And that was why Kentucky stayed in that game. Man, you know what? I, you know, I was watching Taylor and with his interception, and then he did his shimmy dance. And I think all the players were thinking about, you know, uh, the cookies that they were going to get, right? <laughs> I'm sure that's what they were thinking anyway. But, man, then I saw him go into the injury tent. Did he get hurt doing the shimmy, or was I, was I missing things? I, I think he did leave for a few plays following that. So I, I'm not sure what happened. I hope he didn't pull an Anthony Richardson and hurt himself dancing. Oh, no, he uh, came back in the game eventually, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't have multiple guys hurt themselves dancing in the SEC in the same weekend. That's just too far. <laughs> that we're with Mike Wilson, the great, the legendary by Mike Wilson there, Mickey. That's right, Knoxville Lucas. News Sentinel. So you didn't like Lucas's haircut. I, I, the only reason I can think of that Hendon Hooker didn't have the job going, maybe Josh Heibel didn't like his haircut because this guy's been a revelation for this team. And, and obviously, they didn't see enough in spring practice. They still bring in Milton that they didn't see enough in fall camp, and they start Milton. And then eventually, Milton gets hurt, and that opens the door for him and Hooker. And holy cow, has that guy been good. Yeah, I think it was funny. I was talking to people after the season opener uh, where Milton you know, missed those deep throws uh, and kind of was inconsistent against Bowling Green. And my thought then was the same as it kind of was during the preseason, which was Hendon Hooker gives you a chance to win I think Tennessee has the skill players around the quarterback to win enough games, especially with this offense and the way that it plays. Uh, But I get it with Milton. I mean, just the physical attributes, the tantalizing arm. I mean, the thing that that coaches have been in love with about him since he was in 10th grade, basically uh, those exist. And, but Hendon Hooker, he's not the flashiest. He's not the huge arm rocket arm guy. He's not uh, an absolute burner, but he just makes plays. Uh, he's one of those guys that goes in there and gets the job done and you know what you're going to get from him. And, and I think that's what everyone has seen at, at Tennessee and in the media and watching him play is you pretty much know you're going to get a steady performance from Hen and Hooker. And that's all you need a quarterback in this offense is somebody's going to get the job done. And it's funny, Mike, because Heupel, sweet mother of Pearl. I mean, he has schemed up open deep shots on everybody all year. And Milton missed, t- like in the Pittsburgh game, well, they missed three three touchdowns or, or so. Hendon Hooker hits those plays. 
And the other thing is, we had heard, well, Milton's a big guy and he can be a runner. To me, he looked reluctant to run, and Hooker picks his spots and just goes. You know, he's an eager runner when the opportunity presents itself, so within the system even, but his ability to hit the deep throws, which they always have, and to also just run when the opportunity presents itself, those two things have really stood out to me. And he runs hard, too. And he, he's a tough runner. And I do think that you nailed the, the thing with Milton there. A little bit reluctant, but, but more so he doesn't run physically, uh, especially for someone as big as he is, whereas Hendon Hooker spins and you know opens himself up to a lot of hits he doesn't need to take. Uh, but he goes for those extra yards and makes those plays. And that's what he's been. He's been a playmaker through the air and on the ground. And um, I mean, that's why Tennessee's having a lot of the offensive success that it's having is that Hennon Hooker has been so consistent and reliable week in and week out since he became the starting quarterback. Consistent and reliable week in, week out. That's Mike Wilson. He's our guest from the Knoxville News Sentinel at by Mike Wilson. Read his work there on Twitter. Yes. Where are we at, uh, Mike, I guess, with the injuries, especially the running back and key positions, uh, players that are participating, the tight end as well? No, I think the comment about an injury every single day and every single media availability all year has been, we'll know more later in the week, uh, is the, okay. the Josh Heupel line. Uh, tends to not really comment on those things. But, yeah, I mean, Tennessee's running back position is, is kind of wild. They haven't really had Jabari Small and Tyon Evans healthy at the same time mm-hmm. almost at all this season. Uh, it's kind of been one of them in each game, uh, little spurts with both of them. But both those guys have been banged up. I mean, you saw Evans re-injure that ankle uh, at Kentucky, and, and Small has been battling a shoulder injury since, I believe, Pittsburgh. Uh, so, you know, long, long injury there. I think Evans was South Carolina where he hurt it, so it's been about a month now as well. But, yeah, Tennessee hasn't had the, the running backs they thought they were going to have, but they're still finding success there. No doubt about it. I guess how big of a win against Kentucky is this in the first season of Hypo's uh, era? I guess. No, it depends on how you want to look at Kentucky. It's such a funny one. Alante Taylor made that comment last week about Tennessee doesn't lose to Kentucky. Right. And that's something he knows, but Tennessee has been losing to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was two and two over the previous four uh, entering this one. So, and before that it was like 31 of 32 or something to that effect. So Tennessee historically doesn't, but this Kentucky team isn't the Kentucky teams in the 1980s, 1990s. And this Tennessee team and recent Tennessee teams isn't the 1990s Tennessee either. Um, I think it's a big win. I mean, anytime you're going on the road, beating a top 25 team in your first year as a head coach, especially against a program that is well-established and plays a tough brand of football, that's significant. Uh, And I don't think there's any other way to look at it. Uh, It it shouldn't be dismissed as, oh, it's it's Kentucky. Uh, It's not an old-time Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky plays a difficult brand of football. You got to be excited if uh, you're, you're a Tennessee fan and, and what hype on those guys are doing in this first season. But, uh, man, I, I'm trying to figure out, are they the second best, dare I say it, second best team in the SEC East today? Today, you, you can definitely make that argument. I mean, Florida, obviously, Tennessee went down there and lost 38-14. Um, but that Florida team doesn't look anything like mm-hmm. the one that's playing right now. Uh, just – really playing a pretty lousy brand of football. I mean, going to South Carolina and losing that way, uh, regardless of illness, sickness, w- whatever was going on there. I mean, that's, that's a hard loss to defend. I mean, that's not a good South Carolina team. So certainly I think you can make the case that Tennessee is playing the, the second best football, 
uh, of any team in the SEC East, but I don't know if that makes you necessarily the second best team uh, in the division as much as that's just the way you're playing right now. Well, Doomsday is right around the corner. That is this weekend. What can this offense do, though? I, I, I think they're going to give. I think this offense can get the greatest defenses trouble. Just how it's set up and the pace that they go. But man, how do you see this playing out versus Georgia? Yeah, I think the best best comparison I can make here is our, our Circuit City General Manager Lucas here is, is like he's staring down Black Friday. That, that's, what, that's what Tennessee is, is looking at with, with Georgia here. Um, yeah, nice. the, the one thing Tennessee does have going for it is the offense is kind of the great equalizer, uh-huh. but there's not a defense like Georgia that they've seen or are going to see. I mean, this is, you know, once every five to 10 years caliber of talent that, that we're seeing, especially up front with guys like Jordan Davis and, and the way that Georgia plays. It's a, it's a terrifying defense to go up against. Um, and, you know, Tennessee's line, uh, I think, has been spotty at points. They are healthier than they have been. Uh, they had their expected starting lineup for the third time this season uh, against Kentucky, but I still think they're susceptible there. Uh, and that's a really brutal matchup. So, I mean, Tennessee might be able to put up some points, but it's, it's going to look a lot different for them trying to get those points. I think. Do you think it's going to look somewhat comparable to the Bama team that they played? No, this, this defense for George is definitely better mm-hmm. uh, than Alabama's defense um, by a, what I think is a, considerable margin uh but yeah i i think tennessee is gonna have problems up front i think that's pretty clear um i'm curious to see how josh heupel dials it up i mean we've seen him be pretty smart with play calling and schematics of everything they're doing but i mean georgia kind of beats you up in all phases defensively uh and makes it really tough to move the ball at all let alone score so and the the, the kicker here too is they're not giving up chunk plays and Tennessee's offense is predicated on chunk plays. Uh, and George is not giving those up. Uh, Kentucky was very susceptible to chunk plays. That Their, their uh, secondary is pretty weak. So it's a very different test when you're talking about Georgia. Mm. We're on with the by Mike Wilson. Knoxville News Sentinel. For so so I, I was looking this morning. They give up less than seven points per game. And the most anybody scoring on them is 13 twice. It was South Carolina of all teams. And Kentucky. So, Mike, if you hang 14 on these jokers, you've done something that no one has done this year. 14! Which is, is, is saying something about this team. And until they played Kentucky, yeah, it was just South Carolina, which is kind of the mind-blowing stat that South Carolina had outscored Clemson, which is bad. Yeah. Um, but at the time, we thought it was a good team. Yeah, I mean, putting up points is not something that, that teams do against Georgia. I mean, Tennessee, to get more than 13, is going to have to hit downfield throws. I mean, we've seen what Javante Payton does in the first quarter. Tennessee needs those type of plays if you're going to score on this Georgia team because you're not going to string together long drives. You're not going to get four first downs uh, to, to move the ball down the field. But that's also not what Tennessee wants to do offensively. They want to beat you. They want to throw downfield and beat you. Um, run the ball, but beat you with trunk plays. So Tennessee's got to find a way to hit those to stay in this game at all. Um, and certainly defensively is something we got to look at too, because Tennessee's defense has got to get off the field. I mean, a hundred plays against uh, Kentucky is absolutely insane. I mean, Blaine, you ever play a hundred snaps in a single college football game? Never in college, only two in the pros. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's not a, not a thing that you see happen. So uh, Tennessee's defense needs a little bit of help from the offense too, but that's also a tall thing to ask.
latest transfer portal guy. I heard the transfer portal noise and looked on Twitter, and it was it was Morvin Joseph. Uh, mm-hmm. It just seemed like they just never it just never could work for some reason. Yeah, you know, came in as an outside backer, uh, played there the first half of last season as a reserve. Um, two years ago, one year ago. Yeah. Anyway, he played outside backer for kind of the first half of his first season and then spent some time at inside and yeah, just never fully, fully clicked. Um, and in this scheme, kind of one of those tweener guys of inside outside, uh, didn't really, didn't really click that way. I think he only played in two games this season, uh, before entering the portal yesterday. So where are we with the, uh, do you think we'll see more Players, maybe not a lot of players, but at some point after the season, trickle out because they're not getting any playing time. I mean, a small number, but do you think it uh, we'll see more? You know, I, I think that's going to become more and more prevalent. Mm. Um, I mean, I think these in-season portal jumps are going to become more prevalent, too, because of the early signing period. Um, like you look at Harrison Bailey jumping in the portal during the open week. I mean, that that to me is making yourself available before right. coaches finish up their recruiting classes. Yep. Um and I think we're going to see more and more of that. So, yeah, I mean, I think players who think that they need to get out or, or need to change uh, are going to start doing that faster and faster. Um, and I do think that's a consequence of the early signing period that maybe wasn't expected, but probably should have been looking back on it now. So, yeah, I think you'll see that. And I think there will be some guys for Tennessee that that jump out, but um, they're certainly going to continue to bring guys in too. I mean, you look at the transfers that have made impacts here this season as well. Where are we at with the, I guess, recruiting for UT to help them, I guess, get to that next level? Because they're always talking about depth. Well, the only the first two strings look like they're the only ones playing. So their first two strings look pretty solid. So I'm interested to see, well, where's the recruiting go from here uh, with their success that they're having? Yeah, certainly Vols coaches hit the recruiting uh, trail during the open week. I think Thursday, Friday, that Saturday, they were out and about uh, spending some time recruiting. So that, that's an important thing. And you also go out there with some momentum I and mean, you've shown the brand you're going to play at this point at Tennessee, not just, well, here's what it looked like there, but here's what it looks like here. Uh, not a lot of commitments lately, but in, in season typically is that way as well with not a lot of guys jumping on board necessarily. Um, you know, Nolan, the local kid here committing to Texas A&M is a five-star defensive lineman. That's someone Tennessee would have loved to have, obviously. So that was a blow this week, but yeah, I mean, ten, that's been the question about hype was how well is his staff going to recruit? And they're certainly putting some things on tape that have to be enticing toward offensive players. And on the counterpoint, it's interesting to see the defensive tape they're putting out there too. Because you could argue they play kind of an exciting brand of defensive football too with getting vertical, getting into the backfield, and getting tackles for loss. Mm-hmm. Mike Wilson, our guest. Hey, before we let you go, uh, I know Tennessee fans have been so ready for basketball the last few years mm-hmm. because of how football's gone. I, I we're still talking about football, obviously, because there's so much to play for. But uh, Rick Barnes and the crew uh, have snuck up on us, and they get started tonight, number 18 in the country. You excited to uh, start seeing these basketballs in action? I love basketball season. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's something that I've covered since I was hired at the New Sentinel. Uh, love covering college basketball. So, yeah, and it should be an interesting team to watch. I mean, on paper, it's better built than last year's team was. Uh, Even if you argue that last year's team had more raw talent, this team kind of lines up better from one to five uh, and they're shooting the ball. I mean, there's almost a Josh Heupel offensive effect going on over at Thompson Bowling Arena of a run and gun and shoot the ball from deep uh, going on with Rick Barnes's bunch too. 
just hope Folky can get his thumbs all working. You know, it's tough being old. I can speak to that too. Like, aches and pains and easier to get hurt. I think, uh, I think that's what John Fulkerson's experiencing a little bit is it's, uh, it's tough getting up there in years. Yeah, I know it's tough for you, Mike, in your older years. Now. Yes, Mike. <laughs> I agree. Uh, Lucas is still in there uh, recovering from just you crushing him at the beginning of this interview. But he'll not, be okay. Not recovered. He's still not recovered. But, uh, Mike, you're the best. Uh, okay. We love talking with you. Yeah, uh, follow Mike right. for all the latest. I'm sure you'll be reporting on the basketball stuff tonight at By Mike Wilson on Twitter at Knoxville New Sentinel. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Mike. Good back, guys. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Uh, a... Big-time receiver might have found himself a home. Lucas Panzeca just uh, passed Ooh, along a little info. Home or prioritizing where he wants to go? Well, maybe some of that. We'll, we'll, tell, you, <laughs> we'll tell you about that next. Damn. And uh, also, Stephen Mount Juliet wants to jump in the mix on the phone. We'll do that as well. If you want to jump in, Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline, open line, 615-737-1045. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Um, Odell Beckham, I saw this right as we started. He's two OBJ. hours. OBJ is two hours away from free agency. Oh, he, he coming he come to the Titans? Was no. that on his list? No. This is oh, uh, per okay. Jordan okay. Schultz. Who, I don't even know who Jordan Schultz works for, but he breaks some stories every now and again. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has prioritized the bum, 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 Green Bay Packers as his number one destination oh. should he clear waivers. Well, his contract, that rascal's about to clear waivers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get for pennies on the dollar. That's why I said New England seems like a good spot because that's exactly what Bill, Bill can deal with the big personality for uh, half of a season. Right. Treat, well, he just treats everybody like mm-hmm. the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's well, not paying them much. Right. Uh, yeah, I'll get you. Well, maybe they will pay him more than league minimum, but he's like, hey, man, you already collected like $14 million. Sure. And by the way, we looked up Lawan. You said he's making $13 million this year, right? Yeah, Trey uh, in the Zone TV chat said Lawan is making us. We were having this discussion earlier. I didn't go on Sunday. Uh, we were trying to figure out what his contract was for this year. Trey says $13.39 million this year for Taylor Lawan. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. So next year it's like fourteen and change, but his dead cap is one point seven. Yeah, that's that's yeah. basically thirteen million savings if he were not to be on the team next year. And that's gonna be a conversation that gets had in a bunch of offices down there. It has to. Oh yeah, as I said before, yeah, earlier this season when he missed games. And people lost their mind over that. Well this yeah. it's, it's, don't it's lose your mind over it. It's the economic league. This everything, money, 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 and money, as money. Talented as he's is, yeah. you know, and I, I know he's really talented. But you start looking back at the data, and it's going to tell you that you're winning games without him. You had a two thousand yard rusher last year without him, the majority of the season. Yeah. Uh, then you come back and say, "Well, dang, we win a game." Now, do you like the way you went in, or did it make you have to do some different things on offense? Well, hopefully, uh, you know, those things get fixed with maybe a better technique this guy develops, or you're going to have to go in free agency or draft another tackle. So that would be three years in a row of a first two-round tackle. Did you say that again? You're going to have to do what? <laughs> it, it, draft a tackle. <laughs> Are you seriously? <laughs> I th- I thought that's why we I said free friends. agency. Uh, that's why I said free agency first. They, they draft. <laughs> I thought we were friends. You know, you know what kind of – you know I threatened to throw a brick through my TV if they took a tackle in the first round last year. Son of a gun. They did wait till the second. I, I'm not saying it this year because I think you're right. Yeah, but they, they're going to need LeJuan, so got to get them. I just, I mean, hey, man, don't practice at the end of the week. Just run around or something.
the, the, the backup guy gets some reps, and then if you can go on Thursday or Friday, you know, then, uh, you know, we'll know where you're at. At least the guy got some serious reps working with the ones. That's tough sledding there, man. And when the guy's just sitting there uh, as a backup, and then he gets no reps, and all of a sudden on, on Saturday, you go, oh, I can't go. What? Sunday night. Hey, man, sorry. Yeah, those big men need reps. They can't sit there and say, oh, I have mental reps. Nah, that's not how I work down in the trenches. They got to get their reps. Well, he, he may have to go on that same kind of schedule that Saffold has been on for long periods of time, like you said, where it's like, hey, man, you're just not practicing. On, on Wednesdays. Yeah, yeah sorry, sure. man, not practicing. Go sit. You can watch. You ain't no practicing. Mm-hmm. We know it. he can do that. Sure. He, mm-hmm. He's been doing it for for a while, apparently, mm-hmm. for a minute. Hey, man, sorry, LaJuan, don't practice. Every every time your foot hits the ground, it needs to be in a meaningful situation for us, not on a Wednesday, you know? Mm. Yeah, emergency situation. Had there ever been another player under Vrabel that was a starter who was in an emergency situation? Did he say that about one guy this year? Wasn't there a game? Was it LeJuan again? No, what? what? But it was Dupree. Oh, it was Uh, was Dupree. 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 didn't play. Emergency. Thank you, Lucas. It was the Colts game. It was the first Colts game. Like a hard drive that we store stuff on. Here at home, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Let's get – Steve was kind enough to hold. He's been waiting. Uh, Steve and Mount Juliet will join us next. I don't know if he wants to talk about this, but what's going on, Steve? Hi, guys. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. How you doing? Man, hey, thanks doing so much. Great, Appreciate you. You got the pipes. No problem. Hey, um, I wanted to talk about A.J. Brown. Has he, like, re-injured his hamstring again? Uh, the reason why I ask is because there are at least two catchable balls that he should have caught. I would have kept drives alive in the first half. It would have kept the offense at least on some semblance of kicking. That's, uh, those are the kind of catches he would have made last year. Now, looking at the replays, they weren't gimmies, but yeah, those are catches catch. he would have made. Yeah, you think it's, it has to do with his hamstring? I'm going to hang up and listen to your comments. Okay, no, do you Steve. think it has to do with his hamstring? Yeah. But is, there's nothing wrong with his hand. I think Steve has faded into the abyss there. Oh. He was listening to the radio again. I'm that's not a hamstring issue. Well, I mean, he's having, you know, the drops. Here's what happens. When you're an elite player like him, you're trying to bypass and go, okay, well, he's going to make a big play for us. So, you know, it's really just a concentration deal. That's it. That's it. We've seen him make spectacular catches. He had no business catching. Yep. And then he goes drop, you know, he's he's had to drop this year in certain moments. Uh, nothing is glaring, but you say, oh, man, that would have been a first down. Yes. Well, two of those on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily it didn't cost us. Yeah. But it will start being emphasized more if it does cost us. It's because he's giving you big plays. So you got to uh, teeter the fence and just say, you know, in the when you're going through film and you're the receiver coaches, you're saying you rewind it and go, oh, okay, well, what happened here? You know, oh, and then you can't say anything besides I dropped it. And you go, okay, well, we got to work on concentration. Mm-hmm. Got to work on concentration and then you keep moving. That's it. You don't want to kind of continually hit on it and hit on it and hit on it all over, especially a superstar player, because then he'll start second-guessing himself and then double-catching and making mistakes. So you've seen him make great catches. You're just trying to eliminate these lapses of uh, concentration. Uh, so, yeah. See, and then young players sometimes who want to do the right thing, it really affects them. I think that's what happened to uh, Dez, uh, what's, what's the rookie, Fitzpatrick, or what's his last name? Dez Fitzpatrick. I think that's what happened to him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep. And then he's a younger player, and he had no resume to back him up be- here. 
uh, as a player to say, oh, I'm going to make some spectacular catches. But in the meantime, I'm having some drops. Nope, run it again. Oop, drop it again. Oop, run it again. Oops, dropped. Don't run it again. Just go stand over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, it got in his head. Yeah. So that's what you don't want with your superstar. Because, they, they, you know, they still have uh, mental lapses. I just don't want them to be emphasized so much. But bring attention. That's it. Keep it moving. Mm-hmm. We got to keep it moving. Hour number two coming up with us. Uh, Coach Mack in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, also, your phone calls. I know we got people on hold. We can get those in the first segment uh, of the next hour. And we will do that. This is Blaine and Mickey on 104.5 The Zone.